Well, hello, everybody. Let's get right into it. The Some Other Uses podcast with Richard Wiggins. I am Richard Wiggins. The past few weeks, I've been discussing kind of the same thing, and I have been wanting to discuss different characters that involve different companies based off the rights and the rights of the, the usage of rights in these superhero films in particular. Um, when you think about it, when things are adapted, uh, it's always a matter of, well, you know, you got to pay so-and-so to get this, you pay so-and-so to get that. And you think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything is just, you know, given to you. Disney has already owned so much of it. And we have talked about this over and over again, but it's now come to a you know not a, a brief close because it it keeps on developing. This isn't official news. This is kind of like a rumor, I guess, but it is what's on the table of Marvel needing to to secure the rights on a few characters in order to create and go on and go on forward and make more films. I'm talking about, of course, because there's there's so many heroes, the Avengers and everybody. Hulk, in particular, is owned by Universal. Long ago, there was many adaptations. The, the television show is Universal. They've owned it for many years. And then they made a movie with Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly. And then that wasn't that was separate. That doesn't. It hasn't been at all referenced. I mean, I think here and there they, they try to put little fans like to put little clues here and there, but I don't think there is any direct reference to that version. Then you fast forward to The Incredible Hulk, which is now directed, written and directed by Edward Norton. It's kind of like a passion project, I think, of his. But what fell apart was that they didn't let him. For one thing, they didn't let him have the movie that he wanted. And this goes with every, like a lot of your movies out there. Your directors, yes, they direct. Your editors, they edit. But then there is what is called like the studio edit. You know, they, they run tests, test screenings of the movie. And if it doesn't flow right, then they change things. And so presumably... That's the, the original cut of The Incredible Hulk is what Edward Norton would have wanted. And what actually got released was not his cut. And he refused to promote the movie. He also did not want to get tied into what they were becoming, which was the very beginning of Iron Man being introduced to the MCU and it all somehow getting tied together by the time you get to Captain America and Thor. All these movies are intertwining. And my family, we went to go see a lot of the Avengers, went to go see, um, we've seen the, the Incredible Hulk. Still have not seen Hulk. We've seen all the Iron Men and we, we were very hesitant towards Thor for many reasons because it's it just when the film first came out it didn't 
appealed to us that it what for one thing we didn't know what a Hemsworth was you know now we know there's more than one of them there's two or three of them and we've seen many movies since then with the Hemsworths and we're just now kind of getting into Thor I made my family watch Thor Ragnarok I originally did not want to but because of Benedict Cumberbatch's appearance as Doctor Strange I needed to see it. And we, we go into that film not watching the previous two. And I kind of have an interest in seeing the other ones just because I know they are different. But it does kind of seem now more interesting than a lot of your other stuff that's out there right now. Um, I'm, I'm talking about DC stuff. Well, we're going to get into Marvel and DC. But back back to the film rights thing. Because this is kind of going to go all over the place because it's going to relate to one another. And I've been wanting to talk about it. I thought I was going to have a much bigger thing to say about it. But now more things have come to light. I want to talk about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Just got done seeing that. Superheroes aren't being so super at the box office anymore. And Avatar, The Way of Water, is just ranking it all in, and it's it's mind-boggling to me of what is going on exactly. So the, the film rights thing with getting the rights to Hulk and making that movie, of course it wasn't part of a universe. Disney had nothing to do with it. Fox was doing its own thing with the X-Men. Disney had nothing to do with it. There were many superhero films that stuck to the wall, didn't really land. Spider-Man, the same Raimi, tried to stay within its own universe. Then they rebooted that, and that, of course, all those characters are owned by Sony, not by Disney. Deadpool is Fox. Now that Fox is controlled by Disney, they have Deadpool, so it's now the talks of everybody's looking forward to the R-rated Disney movie featuring Deadpool and Wolverine in Deadpool 3. That film has had its ups and downs. You know, creative differences is a, is a whole, <laughs> whole separate conversation that factors into this, and it kind of goes with what I was saying a few weeks ago about direction. I, I, I use the theme of direction, but I mainly should have honed in on vision uh, you have filmmakers that are called in to direct these things and they put their take on it you know and we, we talked about that a lot of your he, uh, superheroes are in fact Oscar winners or nominees Marvel tends to, tends to uh, get a lot of the winners DC is a hit or miss of, yes, people you do know, but mainly people that you only may know from the DCU. You have the DCU and the MCU going on at the same time, trying to do their variation of the same kind of thing, which they have been battling for years in the comic book world. I haven't read a whole lot of comic books. I'm more familiar with the films. So... In a way, I, I, I truly understand what Quentin Tarantino and Mark Scorsese, what their take on it is. They're two highly critically acclaimed filmmakers, and they have two different kinds of stances 
of the same kind of film. Martin Scorsese, of course, has this different take that a superhero movie isn't a film. These these things aren't really, you know, just because you're making so much money at a box office, they aren't like art. Like he he tends to do like artistic kind of films. Films probably he would probably say I haven't you know heard him say these words, but films that matter. You know, these superhero movies don't really matter. And James Cameron has that thinking that these superhero movies aren't relatable. If you're gonna make a uh, female superhero have their own franchise, why can't they be a relatable role model to little girls out there who are watching? And it, it makes more sense to him for these Avatar things because they're mothers, like there's an Avatar that has a you know a baby and because she's a hero or what whatever. You know, that that's his thing. That's his thing. Quentin Tarantino, I actually understand more when he says that, as we talked about before, but I had to bring this up because it does relate to my thinking of what is going on at the box office. He says that the stars of these movies aren't the characters anymore. He, I mean, he, wants, the, the, he wants the stars of the movies to be the heroes and not the actors. That's, that's his take on it. Meaning, go see Captain America because it's Captain America. Don't go see it because it's Chris Evans as Captain America. Or you're Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Okay. With that thinking, because a lot of the, these hero movies will be a hit or miss on why people flocked to see this stuff. Batman. Batman for one thing, was a radio show in the, in the 40s. Then transitioned into a TV show that automatically wanted to become like a comical sense of the comic book world. It would look cheesy. It would, it would look this way for a reason. And I recently kind of saw something on, on Adam West that was kind of, kind of explaining a little bit of that. People did didn't know what to think of Adam West as Batman. At one point, they thought that whatever he was doing kind of came off in a way that was kind of what you'd see back then. You wouldn't come out and say exactly what it was, but he would look and sound a little more feminine. Why Why does Adam West as Bruce Wayne kind of have this kind of um, personality? But it became its own thing and he made the relationship with Robin work. Fast forward to Chris O'Donnell as Robin, who just kind of pops up in a Val Kilmer movie, and then he comes back and he's Robin alongside a different Batman, George Clooney, who mainly regrets being Batman. But that but Batman is the best example of you had your different visionary filmmakers. Tim Burton helmed the first two actual Batman films. And then it went on to Joel Schumacher. So you had big directors coming in and changing the world of Batman. And each one had its own take. Between the Joel Schumacher world and the Tim Burton world, I was more fascinated in the Tim Burton world. 
because he was the first one to understand that there should be a darkness to Batman. And even these colorful characters that come in also have to be dark. Like as bright as the Joker is in color, green, and the purple, has to have this, unlike the 60s show, have to have a darkness to it. The Penguin. Danny DeVito as the Penguin was scary as a, growing up as a kid. Scary, disgusting. Um, Catwoman. Looking back on this, it's the most original take on characters because you, you, you start at one place and you, and you go, how, how do we get to now? And I think that people are still taking ideas from the Tim Burton Batman days and trying to turn it into its own thing. Before, the, before superhero movies tried to connect each other, each one was a standalone thing. I mean, just imagine that. Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies all try to stay in the same world. The X-Men all try to stay in the same world. The X-Men Days of Future Past movies try to stay in that new world that would somehow tie to the X-Men movies. Your Batman movies weren't really going anywhere. Your Batman, your Batman Returns kind of reflected off each other, but you can't say that Batman and Robin was a direct sequel to Batman Forever, which you'd swear the titles should be kind of flipped because of Chris O'Donnell getting first introduced into Val Kilmer's Batman world. It was really weird, but growing up as a kid, you didn't. You just thought, hey, it's cool just seeing these. If anything, the lure was more like the villains that were coming in. It would be more noticeable if the villains started being played by different actors for some reason, rather than Batman, because Batman was just a billionaire, and then he put a mask on. And it seemed like that kind of character can like be easily replaceable. Fast forward to Christian Bale. Now, when the, the, the first announcement of that was, everybody only had American Psycho to go off of. Yes, he was a child actor. They knew him from Newsies. But the acclaim came from American Psycho. How can the American Psycho become Batman? Not only did he accomplish playing Batman, he is the first actor to be the best Bruce Wayne and the best Batman. Hands down. Anything that strives to be better than him comes off as a duplicate, a exact, unoriginal copy. Nobody can copy him as Bruce Wayne. He pulls that off seamlessly. Michael Keaton, it's hard to believe, sorry, it's hard to believe him as, as Bruce Wayne. He is the better Batman. He is a, he's a better Batman than a Bruce Wayne. Val Kilmer is a better Bruce Wayne Kind of okay, Batman, with the voice, I guess, but he pulls off the Bruce Wayne look. Then you go to George Clooney, who is the better Bruce Wayne than he is a Batman. But Christian Bale is better of the both. And Christopher Nolan creates a Batman world, the first one. He's the first filmmaker to have three. So he actually does have a trilogy. All your other films weren't tied together. 
now you're getting into the multiverse. Now they're going back. And now it looks like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel to say, hey, we need some kind of lure. Let's bring back Michael Keaton as Batman in The Flash. We've already talked about it. If you didn't already know, there's a Flash TV show going on in the CW, which is currently ending the same year that the, the new film with Ezra Miller is going to come out. But the big, big talk is Michael Keaton. So that's back to vision. Why these films were created to stand alone. Now they're trying to do a Spider-Man No Way Home thing where they're trying to make all that made more sense to bring back the Spider-Man and make him part of these. Like it's the same world. That brought it real. And that also makes it look like the Sam Raimi years weren't wasted because it did look strange, pun intended, that Sam Raimi would not only make the Spider-Man movies, but he'd come back to direct the sequel to Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But going back to the Marvel, in particular the film rights, because this, 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 this does all kind of tie together, because you had movies that stood alone, that could have been created years ago. Why didn't they become anything? They had to have not become anything for a reason. There's a character in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, called Namor. He's also known as Namor the Submariner. And they have been wanting to make this movie for a while. And at one time, or still to this day I should say, Universal owns the rights fully to Namor. Meaning to an extent that they can make a movie all based on his world, featuring him. They did somehow, I guess, get the rights to Namor to pop up in Wakanda Forever, but they cannot make a movie yet. And there is talks, nothing official, that they do want to get the rights to make... They, they, they do want to fully own Hulk and Namor, because we still haven't had a Mark Ruffalo Hulk movie. You think, do we really need that? I don't know. Because of the She-Hulk series, which I should have mentioned that one of the reasons, the only reason why we got into The Incredible Hulk, aside from, yes, we were watching, heavily watching Edward Norton movies at the time, it also just happened to have an actor that my sister Rosella really loves, Tim Roth, who has since come back as that same character on She-Hulk. So the character is on She-Hulk, he plays in The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. And they do have this minor line in it that does ref uh, have a reference to Edward Norton's Hulk. as a little, little inside joke thing. So in some small way, they do try to connect these ideas. But that's mainly the fans looking in at what's going on. Whereas Spider-Man No Way Home was kind of like, this is a big way of letting everybody know all these movies happen for a reason. Andrew Garfield movies, Tobey Maguire. That, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say that stuff was planned because you could tell that it wasn't. Uh, because they, they were going into a different direction. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man, in my opinion. But DC, every time I bring up DC, I don't know what much to say of it. Uh, because they are so inconsistent. 
and the most consistent that they have ever been was the Christopher Nolan years. And he is the best filmmaker of all these movies combined to come along and tell the, tell the same story. How do you tell the same story in a better way than we have ever seen it? And now, till this day, more people are using things from the Christopher Nolan days to infuse into their works. They are. It is true. You can see it. You, you, it's, 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 it's there. We've talked about Gotham. We've talked about even the uh, Suicide Squad. There are all these things all over the place. And this now kind of goes into what I my, my review of Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is the sequel to Shazam!, and my sister immediately wanted to see this movie. We didn't get to see it in theaters, the original one. But she lo she lo really likes uh, Zachary Levi. And the take on this character is original. As far as it goes, he is an original character. Uh, but it's odd to me, and they even have a reference of it. We've talked about it, that Shazam is actually, when he was first created, was actually known as Captain Marvel at one time when a different comic book company had owned the rights to this name, Captain Marvel. That company has since went bankrupt, went out of business, they're done for. And then when they, I think they wanted to come back, but they, they still had the rights obtained in this character, they could not come back and call the character Captain Marvel, so they call it Shazam. Still odd to me that Shazam happened to come out the same year as Captain Marvel, which is really confusing to people. But there is a line in the sequel that they're still trying to guess what to call him. Um, I guess they never knew to call him Shazam. But this is just a sequel. This is very important because these Shazam movies, which now there are only two of them and may only ever be two of them because of a James Gunn technicality, which we'll get to, which is a combination of everything that I've said, the different rights, the different visions of where the franchises should go. It's, it's, it's multiple ideas going all at once, and nothing is consistent. Then you have, I'd even bring up Robert Pattinson as the Batman. I haven't seen the, the, the film yet, but I got it for my sister for Christmas, so we will see it eventually. Hard to say which version of the Batman he's going to be. I, I think he could pull off the Bruce Wayne that they want to in that world. I can only imagine he's a, he's a good Bruce Wayne. But people really seem to really like his Batman simply because he has the dark eyes. He's the first one to feature the dark eyes and give a, a, a logical reasoning that, yes, this whole time Batman should have dark eyes when he takes off his mask. So Because you've had this imagery for years in the comic books. And then when you try to replicate it in movies, that's why Watchmen was at one time unfilmable. And guess what? To the creator of Watchmen, these things are unwatchable. The creator of Watchmen hates these things. Hates adaptations of his own work. Hates them. I think he's the one behind V for Vendetta. He hated the adaptation of that. He's the one behind Watchmen. There's a Watchmen uh, TV show 
few years ago on HBO. He hates that. He hates him. He he. I don't. I don't think he's ever seen him. I don't, I, I don't think he wants to see him. He just does not like adaptations of his work, and that's strange to bring up because who is the director of Watchmen? Zack Snyder. Where does he come from? Because of the popularity of 300 and Watchmen, he has now become, well, at one time he was the front uh, runner of the DC films, the Justice Leagues, the Batman versus Superman, which I've never seen any of this stuff. The only movie we saw was Man of Steel. Okay? Of this DC world, we see Man of Steel. We've seen the first Wonder Woman. We still have yet to see Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to watch it for whatever it's worth, even though there's no point to this stuff. That That's what's odd about the DC world, because when you look back, these films were, were supposed to go somewhere, and at the last it looks like at the last minute they decide not to go somewhere. So that's different than your Tim Burton and your Joel Schmacher and all that stuff and Sam Raimi in the two different kinds of comic companies not planning to be part of worlds, just automatically being standalone things. A lot of your DC Comics films want to be things. They just don't get to be it. Or they have no way to connect the stuff. So Zack Snyder takes over and... <laughs> I, I've never seen any of, aside from Man of Steel, I, I said that last last episode, that Man of Steel, Henry Cavill, uh, makes sense. Uh, but now that Henry Cavill is out of the picture, uh, you know, when we watched Shazam and we saw the cameo at the end, I don't know if it's true or not, but they, they, they say that the reason why Henry Cavill couldn't be in it was because he had a mustache at the time and it would have cost a lot of money to have it removed. Whereas they did do that for one of the movies, for one of the Justice League movies. They they do remove his mustache that Henry Cavill had to have at the time the filming for one of the Mission Impossible movies, which I actually do have. So I actually do have the movie where he has a mustache in and then you have to go back and watch all the shots that have been digitally altered that cost them like $20 million to go back and fix. Just the mustache alone. So that's what they say, the why he couldn't pop up at Shazam. Who knows if that's true or not? It sounds possible. Or it sounds like they weren't too sure of Shazam. And Shazam, the first film, ended up doing better than expected. And which, of course, called for a sequel. Let's go into the right direction of making more of these things. Shazam! Fury of the Gods has had bad luck from the start of it. Um, it was made way before, kind of made during, I think, maybe, right at the close of it, of the turning over the keys to James Gunn. And another guy, Peter Sazfron, who actually does have his name on this movie, the Shazam! Fury of the Gods. They're the ones who run DC Comics now. And James Gunn, of course, is the director of the original Guardians of the Galaxy films. He actually still has 
of Volume 3 coming out, even though he's heavily involved now with DC stuff. How did he get into DC? Well, at one time he was fired from Volume 3 when tweets, uh, inappropriate jokes that he had made on Twitter, somebody tried to call him out for it. He lost his job. DC got his interest. He took over as the the director for The Suicide Squad, which introduced him to all these characters. Okay. Then he gets rehired because all these other people involved don't want to make Volume 3 without James Gunn. You have your Dave Bautista, who has gone back and forth with liking Drax and not liking Drax, not wanting to be only known as Drax for the rest of his life. At the same time, acknowledging, yes, he does understand that Fans will love him as tracks, and this is a big thing for everybody. But Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still going to be coming out. Directed by James Gunn. People have this thinking that James Gunn has been hired for DC to deliberately sabotage within. And I could believe that, but it's almost like I don't know. It all depends on what's going to happen with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 box office results. Because there are a lot of words flying all around because Shazam! Fury of the Gods is not doing very well. Since Black Adam, a lot of these comic book movies have not been, has, have not been doing very well at the box office. Black Adam didn't do very well Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is Marvel, didn't do what they wanted to at the box office. And now Shazam only made $30 million in its first weekend, roughly making $60 million worldwide. I don't like what's going on because I don't believe it. I don't understand. I believe that the same reason, this is my opinion, but I believe that the same reasons that somebody could go into go walking into to a Shazam movie and not liking it is the same reason why you would go into these other comic book movies and you do like it. They all have the same kind of flow. The cheesy dialogue, the jokes, uh, these ref these movie references that these these characters like to be hip they like to be hip with modern with uber and the internet and and facebook me and all and, and follow me on twitter and tiktok and you know these characters are, are basically sabotaging themselves i'd say from the standpoint that these things can no longer be contemporary you can't just turn on a movie and it's automatically relatable to your surroundings. It's it's staying in this particular universe. That's saying that on that end, let alone that these movies are trying to connect each other. I already said that I, I wasn't really into the fact that Ant-Man 3, going into it, has to connect and set up the next stuff. Not only does it set up the next Avenger, movies it's setting up disney plus stuff which disney plus stuff set up into that you have to understand kind of what's going on like 
uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had some elements of stuff that we never even seen off Disney Plus WandaVision. And it's like, do you have to see this stuff to understand this stuff? I think, going into Shazam, Fury of the Gods, you could not maybe see the first one and still enjoy the film if you are into superhero films. If you're not into superhero f films and you're looking at these things and you're picking these things apart or you are into superhero movies and you're still picking things apart, what are you looking at that you're not liking? And going into Shazam, which automatically is a setup of a kid has these powers. And when he says Shazam, he turns you know, into a grown-up version of himself. He turns into this main character, this big character. And his friends, they grow up. But one actress, she's kind of like a, maybe a few years older than the other kids. She plays both parts. So that was interesting to me, trying to keep up with all the stuff. But at the same time, I think that Shazam is the most relatable to kids out there who watch superhero movies. Men and uh, boys and girls who, who grow on to be men and women uh, growing up in their lives. For whatever reason why you like a superhero movie, I never go into it really thinking, gosh, I really was, I wish I could be Ant-Man. You know, if any of them, I, I probably want to be Doctor Strange because he has all the crazy powers, but it's not too realistic that I want to be that. Really? But Shazam is kind of like, he has these powers that are more kind of uh, relatable in the sense that it sounds like it could happen if you wanted it to happen that way. Like, bitten by a radioactive spider, that's not going to happen. But these other worlds that get created in this universe, like Batman self-taught. You know, he doesn't, his, you know, uh, I always reference that Ben Affleck as Batman says that what's his superpower? He's rich, you know. That's kind of, kind of, I think that's kind of a cheesy line. That's in a Zack Snyder movie. And this is important because there's so many things going into Shazam that why people are, are railing against it. But I, I, I think it's more relatable. I think that as a kid, kid, like, because the whole time, my, my sister always says, you, you have to watch this movie knowing that every time they talk, they're kids, okay? It's Zachary Levi playing, he, he's being childish. He's being childish on purpose because he is still, he is growing up, he's going to turn into a teenager. He's a kid, you know? It makes more sense to have these characters written this way instead of having your other characters in the other movies act immature. And it's like, what age are they being? They're being the age that they are, but they are still kind of acting childish. If, if you look at a lot of these shows. Spider-Man with Tom Holland is another, I think, aside from the radioactive thing, he makes it all work with the um, high school side of it, of balancing, uh, obtaining those powers, and still being in school. They try to make sense of it all. And Tom Holland is above Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. He is, because he's the youngest, he does pull that off better. But Shazam! People are, getting, are giving many different reasons of why Shazam failed. And one of the main reasons is that uh, 
they are blaming Zack, the, the lack of, of um, well, there's Black Adam and there's Zack Snyder. The lack of Zack Snyder ideas, they released a director's cut of one of his movies because fans really, really wanted Zack Snyder's version to get out. Okay. Then on the other side of it, you have Black Adam going on. Now, Black Adam is an interesting story because The Rock has been wanting to make the Black Adam movie for a very long time. And I don't even know the timeline of this because it, it, they seem to go back and forth with each other. But Zachary Levi, when he was, he almost turned down the part of Shazam because he found out that The Rock was going to be Black Adam. And these characters in the comic were twins. And he's like, you know, he can't compete with that. He can't, he was looking at that same point. He can't be that character because he'd be competing with being like The Rock. Also, aside, you know, they look nothing alike. But that's neither here nor there. In this universe, that wouldn't really matter. But the, the whole thing kept being that The Rock was offered a cameo in Shazam and turned it down. Instead, we got a what is known, I guess, as the headless Superman shot. We just got a tease at the end. But The Rock didn't want to pop up there. That This is the mistake. For The Rock kind of being selfish, and it kind of played against itself later in the end. The Rock wanted to be Black Adam, but he didn't want to be Black Adam in a Shazam movie. He wanted to be his own thing. You know what? Wonder Woman, Aquaman, all those characters, they're introduced in a movie called Batman vs. Superman. That's their first appearances. It was kind of like telling all these stories all at once. Then they started getting their own movies. That was the reverse of what Marvel was doing. So, there's that. And then you have Black Adam come out, and it doesn't do very well. It comes out right after Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and they compare that to because let, let's look at the numbers. Black Adam, as of now, internationally they did they they did better internationally at two hundred twenty four million eight hundred thousand, but only over here in the United States they made one hundred sixty eight million for a total of over three hundred and ninety two. Million. Okay. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, they made 405 million internationally. And they made a little more than that in just the United States alone for a combined total of over 858 million. Double. Double Black Adam. I'd give Black Adam a chance. I would. I, I feel... I'm starting to think all the superhero movies in the DC world that I would like, everybody else would hate. And the ones that everybody hates, I would like. Because everybody, not everybody, but it's a split on The Flash. I don't like Ezra Miller as The Flash. I wouldn't like it even if I hadn't got into recently the Grant Gustin Flash CW series. There is no appeal to Ezra Miller 
the way he plays that character is so, just from the trailer alone, is so boring to me and so pathetic looking. I don't want him to be that character. I don't want him to be Barry Allen. I don't want him to be The Flash. I don't want him to be two Barry Allens. So yeah. So maybe the Warner Brother call to cancel the Batwoman movie that would have introduced us first Michael Keaton as Batman. They needed people to see The Flash. And they want people to see it because of Michael Keaton. There is no way that they're, they're they're saying that they are really proud of the Flash. I just saw that Tom Cruise has already seen the Flash, and he likes it. Ooh, he was in talks at one time to be Tony Stark, and he had to downplay the rumors of that. Who knows what's going to become of that later in life? But right now, Tom Cruise doesn't want to be part of the MCU or the DCU. Whatever there is of the DCU. Shazam, Fury of the Gods, I actually enjoyed. I, I knew going into this how to look at it. Because I kind of thought, here is a movie where there is no question. They have no idea if there's going to be a third one. How many movies have you gone into with a superhero knowing that there's going to be another one. After Black Panther's success, everybody was talking about Black Panther 2, when it was only called Black Panther 2. It has succeeded far beyond belief, and they wanted to make a sequel. Of course, the talks is, who's, who's going to come back, and is Ryan Coogler going to direct, and as soon as we get everything up and running... It's back. Captain Marvel is having a dickens of a time getting their sequel off the ground. Disney has delayed so many shows this year. Even Loki has gotten delayed. And the sequel to Captain Marvel, they're saying a lot of these things. This, this is when... This is going to relate. This is kind of like a combination of, of, of all the stuff what I've talked about. And it's weird that it's Captain Marvel and Shazam that are talking about this stuff. Why do why are these studios wanting to deliberately sabotage certain heroes? We've already talked about the Black Widow stuff and the Shang-Chi stuff. Do you know what Shang-Chi is? Do you know what Shang-Chi is compared to knowing what an Iron Man is or a Hulk? Everybody knows who the Hulk is. He hasn't even gotten a proper movie in this world that I mean uh, a proper movie that, that ties to whatever they're doing but Captain Marvel sequel is called the Marvels and there's rumors that they're delaying they keep delaying these things and now the thing is always these things coming out against Brie Larson nobody likes Brie Larson Brie Larson's hard to work with Brie Larson has this certain attitude on things or whatever. All these people... I don't know how many times I've read this stuff on Brie Larson. I think right now, me talking about Brie Larson, somehow my phone's going to hear me, and I'm going to have articles pop up that are going to be against Brie Larson because that's what happened last time. I was hinting at Brie Larson things, and these articles keep popping up on my phone, and I'm reading it, and I actually kind of agree with this, though, 
because the sequel is not called Captain Marvel 2 or whatever they want to be called. It's the Marvels, and it introduces these other two characters that we should know of from these other things, like Disney Plus shows. There is a there is a Marvel on I think I think one's from WandaVision, and one is from Miss Marvel, which is a show that people have backlash for different reasons. So now you have a backlash within a back backlash, and that's getting delayed for whatever reason. And I, I don't understand. I, I just... I don't know why they're... It sounds like they're, they're deliberately sabotaging... Like they're listening to the fans. Fans don't like Captain Marvel, but we're still making a Captain Marvel movie. How do we still make the movie and the fans are still going to be mad, but we still want to get it out there? Shazam, you go into it or not knowing where it's going to go. I think the movie could stand alone. And I think that for wherever it is, it makes sense in that world. It does. There is a, a special cameo that they actually did get. I won't spoil that for anybody, but they actually do get that. And coincidentally, it's one of the other films we've actually seen in the DCU. So I, I do really think that that was a really cool cameo to have for Shazam. Um, they could do something big like that. And it not have to go to anything to connect to anything, because that's that's the disadvantage of having these films connect with each other. If you haven't seen the other ones, are you really missing much of the story? And Disney Plus just has this whole thing built in that you have to understand some things in order to understand the movies. And I think that was a drawback for Ant Man. Did not get a proper third film and a lot of the fans which I guess at this point I wouldn't call them fans if they didn't show up they're more like people who just probably found out about things didn't work out the way they they, they get a sense of what things were going to be from the trailer they, there's different kinds of things that was going against it that people just didn't show up for and I, I disagree with that thinking but as far as what what happened to Shazam, Fury of the Gods, the film just kept getting delayed. Almost to the point where they probably didn't want to release it. I just found out that Shazam, Fury of the Gods, which came out March 17th, they're going to get um, a, re a streaming release a month from then. So it should be by April 17th that it'll be available to stream. And that can just show you the desperation that they are scrapping that... They need to get their money. Kind of like similar to a uh, Amsterdam type situation. That it's probably going to get bigger in the streaming world. They got to have. They got to find some way to get this alternate money going. But that was the the, the big cameo that I, I I saw somewhere that where they did kind of leak the cameo where people do know what happens. We didn't know. Going into it, we didn't know. And there's, at one point, it's teased, and I kind of thought, hey, this makes sense that if they just left it at that, they really don't care about this movie for some reason. It's fun. It's I don't want it to connect to anything. I can say that about all the movies that do connect. I don't want them to connect. Because once you connect them, 
that builds the pressure on whether people are seeing it or not. And for people to follow behind the Black Widow and the Shang-Chi world, I'll always go back to that because it, it, it's so inconsistent to me that the Marvel world could care less about that. And like I said about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, we'll see what happens with that. That's different than that's James Gunn Disney versus James Gunn Warner Brothers. But a cameo that there was rumored to be in, a lot of rumors, a lot of cameos got cut. They got cut from Shazam and they got cut from The Flash. I can only imagine that maybe Shazam got cut from Flash. I don't know. But just like I said that Shaz that uh, Black Adam was to was supposed to be in the end of Shazam, the original, Black Adam was supposed to be at the or but Shazam, Zachary Levi, was supposed to be a cameo in Black Adam. And The Rock said no to it. The Rock said no because he wanted Henry Cavill to cameo as Superman. That is, when everybody, including Henry Cavill, thought he was still Superman. Since then... James Gunn has come in and he's doing all these changes at the same time that HBO Max and Discovery Plus are making changes. So instead of the Black Adam at the end of Shazam or Shazam at the end of Black Adam and Superman at the end of Shazam, <laughs> we, get, we, we instead get a Superman at the end of Black Adam and at the end of the new Shazam, we get James Gunn crap. I must, I think it is related, but I mistakenly thought it was pure Suicide Squad stuff, but I think it's more Peacemaker stuff, which I didn't follow along with Peacemaker, which was kind of like James Gunn tipping his toe in the Warner Brother water right after doing the Suicide Squad, it was kind of like, okay, he's going to come back and he's going to do a show. He is the you know, creator of the Peacemaker show. And then later we'd find out that, oh, he's just not going to be the runner of the show. He's going to run DC Comics with this other guy. Then, at the, right after the popularity of Peacemaker, when everybody's wanted a Peacemaker Season 2, James Gunn has said himself that he, all this other DC stuff is going to take away from him doing Peacemaker stuff. So, it might work against itself. It's kind of like a TV show when they go all in on a TV show that they think is going to be something, and then it fails. Or they go all in on this these crap shows that are on for years. I'm talking to you, according to Jim. So many different networks, coincidentally, that's Disney, want to stick by these ideas because they don't want to look like they don't they don't want to make it look like they fail but so many of these failures are now happening in the public you can't hide away from but the box office is just this thing that i can't get my head around that more people flock to all to the avatar way of water i just found out that there's a a nine hour cut of Avatar 3 
and it's rumored to be turned into a Disney Plus series. How is that even going to work? You're going to have the third movie, a show, and then by the time that show runs, it sets up the fourth one. So then you don't really have Avatar 1 and 2. You have Avatar 1, 2, show, and then 4 becomes 3. I don't know. Too much Avatar stuff is what I'm saying. I got into the first one a little bit. Didn't really like it at the very beginning, but I kind of got into the mechanics of it. But now I'm falling out of it because I'm not buying into the setup of it, of what the what the groundwork is for. I mean, how how much of this stuff would you have paid attention to if you're told right from the beginning, not only is Captain America and Iron Man and Thor and Hulk going to be all these things, but, you know, we're going to release three movies a year, and then all of a sudden that's like the, the, the new rhythm, and they got over 30 movies that people have to binge every time a movie comes out to, to, to see if this stuff is, is consistent. And it's like, a lot of the stuff is like, is it worth it? To sit there and watch all that stuff. Especially the DC stuff. Not not too familiar with the DC world. And as I talked about before, they did better in television than they, than they did in the movies. And it's proving true. And I, but I just... The Shazam thing, it just bothers me. Because even Zachary Levi has a different take on it. He thinks that the movie wasn't marketed as a family movie. Now, I... Here's where I kind of disagree with that, but I kind of see his standing on it. But at the same time, yeah, maybe it should have been marketed as a family movie because all these other superhero movies like Ant-Man, Quantumania, uh, kind of get marketed towards children because of the toys and everything. The, the licensing, yes, and it's Disney, so it's kind of like a given because it's going to be all this family friendly platform that's now slowly turning back into adult stuff if you really pay attention to it we talked about it before that there's some limitations of what marvel characters can do marvel characters can only be violent to a certain extent did you know that christian bale is the god butcher butcher he's known as gore the god butcher and there's references in the in the film of thor 4 where uh, love and thunder where he is known for uh, he kills gods. But to say that out loud, and to actually what his literal definition is, sounds controversial to me. And sounds like a character that not only I think would be a character that people should, would be talking about in a, in a different studio film, you'd think that Disney having a character like that, they wouldn't want to be tied to something like that. So that, that was strange to me, but Love and Thunder got so much backlash on it for other reasons that I don't think a lot of people understood what was going on. Because if you fully, if you fully understood what was going on, again, back to Amsterdam, if you, if you fully understood what was going on, there would be a much bigger conversation going on. And whether the conversations are happening and being dialed down, I have no idea. But in the Shazam world, they still cuss, they say certain things, but they're sort a little more reserved, and they're a little more like there's a few instances in 
Shazam, Fury of the Gods, because they're kids. He he's getting ready to he's getting ready to say something. He's getting ready to take the Lord's name in vain, and he's he's doing it on a whim, but he's a kid, and he catches himself. He catches himself in front of his uh, his adopted parents. In a Marvel movie, they would just at the drop of the hat always say that, always do that. It's because I think Ant Man kind of was in the transition where they weren't fully owned by Disney yet. Now they are, but these scripts were still being written so adult, so adult themed material. But you may not think of that, but at the same time, in a movie like Shazam, but. Ironically, at the very end, the last words of the movie are the Lord's name in vain. So then I thought, well, now I don't know what to think. But then after the fact, I find out that Zachary Levi's take on it was that it wasn't marketed as a family movie. There's some parts of it that I think do work better than Marvel as family, than the Marvel movies present themselves for family. I wouldn't say Love and Thunder is for families, uh, I don't know what Thor would be for a family. Uh, and that's the Disney name. They're, they're, they're under the Disney umbrella, whereas DC Comics can do whatever they want. They have the Harry Potter world because they're Warner Brothers and everything. So they, they do know how to... It's, it's, I guess it's, it's kind of a hard conversation to talk about, or maybe you don't think about it when you see all these movies because so many things come and go. But you would be surprised why, why some... People aren't drawn to movies. They're, they're not drawn to it because, well, if people aren't for Brie Larson, for what she stands for in real life, because I know she's an activist and very outspoken, people go against that. You know, and people look at political reasons of why to not watch a movie. The Black Adam thing was kind of like, I think. He should have done the cameo, and that would have told you whether or not Black Adam would have worked. But he wanted to; he thought Black Adam deserved its own story. It does, but at the same time, if you're wanting to build on this universe, you kind of got to know where, not only to know where it's going to go, but a, a better starting point would be just to give people a taste of what's going on. And... I don't think enough of these DC comics do that. I, I just think they, they kind of tease and then it falls flat. You know, whatever is going to become of the end of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We don't know. You know, not only is there no talk of a Shazam! 3, the director of these movies, David F. Sandberg, he went out. He says he's done with superhero movies, purely based off because he got a low Rotten Tomatoes score. Are you serious? That's what's come down to. It, it's it's so odd to me. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to what I was saying. You could go into these movies and be against them for whatever they say or do and act, but I bet that the movies that you do like are for the same reasons that you don't like these other things. I swear it's true that if you don't like the language, you approve of the language in one movie versus another. You wouldn't expect them to say that. You would expect them to say that. I did a whole show, or half a show, 
on a Shazam line that got cut. Remember? I brought up that in the trailer when it was released, fans were split on this line where he says, I just threw a truck at a dragon. I love my life. Which now, looking back, I think sums up the movie as this movie that's being told about a, a, a kid who turns into a superhero because that's what it is the whole time. A kid being a superhero. And knowing the dynamic of the characters that you see between the children and the older actors on the show of how they play into it. So much you have to go in and believe like, you know, if you're going to make things cons consistent that Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu are sisters, they do bring up like, the age range is different among the sisters. But then to, ha but then to have Rachel Zegler, which, who's from West Side Story, I guess, she comes in as a character and she's also one of the sisters, but she doesn't have... In, in, a, in a movie where the, the kids are turning into older actors... It was strange to me that Rachel Zegler didn't change, but she's, you know, that, that character doesn't call upon that. But it was kind of like, that's confusing storytelling. But I think it kind of either, it, it could, it still kind of works, but at the same time, I don't know. There's so many things I was surprised by it in the movie. I think the movie can stand alone. I don't think you can watch, you don't have to watch the other one, but you may be a little interested in how it began. But, you know, even then, it... it, it I don't know. It, it, it just bothers me. We'll see what happens with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We'll see that. Because that'll, that'll let us know if there are people out there boycotting James Gunn to the extent that he will fail at the box office but he would be losing Disney money and he would be the focus of Warner Brothers which is all over the place and he is directing the next Superman still looking for a new Superman by the way nobody's been announced yet it just might be Austin Butler you know who was uh, Elvis <laughs> I can see that right is that where is that is that where this is going? Where the 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 actors playing these characters aren't going to be consistent anymore? Let's go to the days of Quentin Tarantino, where you know if they if they told the story from the character's view, it would be different. But now, if you're going to get these actors to play these characters as Hollywood actors, I don't know. Somehow, people are just now falling out of superhero movies. Why isn't it taking them this long to do that? I don't know. Because if they don't, we're only going to have Avatar movies in the theaters. One way or another. But yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that because it just bothered me. Because I, I really liked Shazam Fury of the Gods. For what it was, for what it was supposed to be, it, it, didn't, do any, it didn't go anywhere where I, I... I was surprised, but it didn't go anywhere where I was mad at it. You know, if it stops, that's on them. And that makes it look like that they don't know what they're doing. Shazam should have the right to continue. But at the pace that it's going, let Shazam come back and either be a show or be another standalone film.
because that's what they were doing. So yeah, that's it for now. I'd like to thank you for listening thus far. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. For now, I'm ending some of the useless podcasts. Hopefully, you'll hear from me next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.